This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the rant. Victory Monday. Been a while since we've had one of these. Big 10 win. Had to have it. We had a great performance by the Rutgers defense. Not a good performance. A great performance. An epic game by running back Sam Brown. Smart adjustments by the new offensive coordinator, Nunzio Campanile. And yet, you know where I'm going to start this, fellas. You know where it's coming. You know it's coming. Because, it, you know, it, it's just a complete circle here. But we're back to the same point. The quarterbacks, <laughs> we had Noah Vedral, uh started the game, played the entire game. Uh, and yet there's still this feeling of maybe uh, dissatisfaction with the performance of the quarterbacks. It's an interesting topic. I, I wrote strongly that I believe that they got to roll with him until, until the point where this is no long, these games no longer matter. They still matter at four and three. Interesting that Greg Shannon continues to bring up Gavin Wimsett, though. It's like he brought him up unprompted today as press conference. Fonseca, what is your sense now with the quarterback situation down there? I mean, is it have they landed on the guy, or are we still at this point where we don't know? So using context clues, uh, when Greg talked after the game on Saturday, he said the plan was to start Noah and that Gavin was the two. I think in an ideal world, Rutgers builds a lead with Noah Vedral, gives himself a cushion, and can give Gavin Wimsett uh, and a, a chance to get some reps in play. Obviously, when you start losing 14 nothing immediately, that room is gone. And Rutgers, as good as the defense played and as much as they were able to come back in that game, they didn't have a, really a space to throw in Gavin where it would not put the win at risk. And Greg's been pretty clear that winning games now is the main priority. Um, but I do get the sense that he does want to see Gavin in a game at, at some point. Just like you said, he brings him up unprompted, or even maybe the fact he's bringing him up unprompted, mentioning him uh, developing week after week, mentioning him having a good Sunday last night. They had to develop, they do developmental practices on Sunday nights, and he pointed out that Gavin had a good night. Maybe that's just to remind us that he is making progress, even if he's not playing in games, kind of uh, his whole you make progress in practice mantra that he shared with us last week. So uh, it's tough to entirely tell, but it seems pretty clear that 
they're going to ride Noah Vedral. Uh, they're going to start him on, on at Minnesota. I'd be surprised if he didn't. And uh, they're going to sprinkle in Gavin when they can, when it makes sense, but they won't risk a win if that's what to, to put him in there. It's interesting because I felt like that was a targeted, those comments were targeted to a very small audience, namely Gavin and his family, um, which I understand completely. This is, and I wrote this, this is a very tricky tightrope for Greg Shannon to work because he, to walk because he, he's got to win games now. We've seen what this does when, when you don't beat these games that are winnable at home, like this one against Indiana was like Nebraska and Iowa were Lanny, Let me put it to you this way. Then this, this is what I come back to. Do you think Rutgers would have beaten Nebraska if Gavin Wimsett were healthy and played the entire game? Because I know that, that, that would have happened if Noah Vedral played the entire game, uh, even with a bad hand, because that, that's how they lost the game by, by, right. by turnovers from the other guy. Right. Mistakes. It's so hard to predict who's going to make a mistake in a game, but I think with Wimsett, you get all these intangibles that put him over the top and you get this versatility with the read option and his legs as an ability to run. I think that, so my answer to put it simply is yes. I think they absolutely would have beaten Nebraska with Gavin. Just, just from a sense, like he expands the playbook so much and his ability to run, we've seen it is, is definitely better than Vedral's and it even opens up the run game even more. So I would think that, with with Wimsett running the read option opens things up for Sam Brown even more. Uh, that's a good point, but I, you know, but there's a certain level where you have to at least show the ability to throw. Uh, you know, Wimsett's got 44 career passes; four of them were picked off. <laughs> that's that's a great point. That's totally fair. But they were also on big plays downfield. Two of those, at least this year, the two interceptions this year were you know, you know 30, right. 40 yard passes, which. Rutgers doesn't even do with Federal in a quarterback. So I'm I'm gonna stand up for Wimsett yeah. and, and and say that like, like his ceiling is something that they can still win games with him at quarterback. So I think it's not a done deal. I think this is gonna keep going on and on and on until the season's over. It's pretty fascinating, Brian. You, you broke down every pass you threw. I, I guess it, there were some, and, and, and you know, in, in the course of the game, you didn't notice that were, that were shakier than the other ones. I mean, just, it just looked like he missed a lot of easy throws too. Yeah, a lot of the throws were the wide receivers making plays versus the throws being very well placed. Johnny Langan had a couple of passes thrown behind him that he had to make catches that Matt Millen continuously reminded of that if the throws were made in front of him, he could have you know gained some extra yards instead of just catching the ball and stopping. Again, but the biggest thing that Vedro brings is he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't put the ball in danger very often he there were a couple of throws there that were borderline but he didn't really put the ball in danger which is again what the coaching staff wants um but yes there is there feels like he had two nice throws to sean ryan on that touchdown drive the first one and from there there really wasn't that much after so it feels like there is some room to grow in the deep uh, in the uh passing game down the field Uh, i'm not sure if gavin wimsett is ready to fulfill that but i definitely agree that there is a hole there that could be filled all right fascinating debut by nunzio as mentioned the first thing he did was the thing that any of us would have done. We could have anybody who was hired for this job. If, if you put me as coordinator, anybody as coordinator gave the ball to Sam Brown 28 times, no running back rotation. This kid is special. I mean, he showed it 101 yards. You had an incredible stat. What was his yards after contact? 89, which I, I, it's, it's twofold, right? It makes, it's very impressive of him that so many of these, these runs, he had guys on him and he just kept breaking tackles or pushing through piles, always falling forward. I do question how much 
should the offensive line get some blame there? Is he getting hit a little further than he yeah. should be? Maybe right. That, that might, that's the other side of the coin of this. But yes, I mean the, the fact the kid runs so hard. The Derrick Henry comparison was a bit much for Matt Millen. It was the kid's not Derrick Henry, but he sure looked really, really, really impressive. And all the early signs he showed now that he was given this huge amount of carries. He really took advantage and he looks like the real deal. Yeah. And the other part of it, Pat, just, you know, we talked that the complimentary football thing was what happened in the third quarter, right? I mean, they Rutgers had the ball for 14 <laughs> minutes and seven seconds. And that's how your defense stays fresh. That's how you win a big 10 game. They were just physically dominant. That's what Nunzio was, was brought, was given this job to do, to simplify the offense, to, to make it play to its strengths. That's what you saw. Absolutely. That, it's funny because in the Big Ten Network did a clip of they asked every coach what was the most overrated stat in football. And it's funny that Greg Shiano's answer was time of possession. I don't know if you saw that. That's right. That was, that was, That's great. Yeah. Uh, but in this game, that was exactly what it was. And uh, <laughs> couldn't. So I think he's flipped his tune since Big Ten Media Day. Because um, time of possession was really important and the defense played like time of possession was really important all right uh, and if all of this said nunzio isn't even the, the coordinator we should be talking about i mean what's happening on defense each week this unit seems to be getting better and brian again you know the great stat 18 defensive players against indiana 12 of them 12 of them have at least two years more eligibility left this defense is good now it's going to be very good my question though when you watched it again uh, is what you saw defensively, is this against weak offenses or is this going to translate when you're playing a, a, a superior offense? That's what we're going to find out soon here. I don't know how legit Minnesota is because they've played pretty much tomato cans. Uh, they have great stats, but they haven't really played anybody or done very well against a good team. And Rutgers hasn't played anybody, hasn't played any really good offenses outside of Ohio State who they gave up 49 points to. But again, at, most defenses would do that. But every other team they've played ranks in the bottom half of the country in, all, in most offensive stats. Indiana was as fast as they play. They don't play very well offensively. Uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, for example, when Michigan comes to town in a couple of weeks, can that young defensive line that's been so good, these great interior linemen, you know, Ifan Maijay and, and Keontae Hamilton, Aaron Lewis and Wesley Bailey on the edges, can they compete against an offensive line in Michigan that just d dominated Penn State. Like we watched that yeah. game. They, they're the best offensive line I've seen in years uh, in the Big Ten, at least. So can they compete against them? That'll be the true test. But before you can beat great teams, you have to play well against bad to good teams. And Rutgers has passed just about every test against all these offenses. They looked tremendous against Indiana. They made an adjustment. Indiana's quarterback said that they came out in a bit of some soft zone. And then after that first drive, they went straight man-to-man -man and they dominated from there. So uh, Joe Harris-Simiak is developing players. He's making good in-game adjustments. And I totally agree. I think he's been the biggest revelation on the coaching staff this season. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how he'll react to kind of going back home, not home, but a place he was for three years uh, this week. I, and I love that point to your point. I love the way they, the cornerbacks, the, the safeties, how aggressively they played against the Indiana's receivers after that first drive. It was, it was noticeable. Uh, and Great. to have a coach that makes defensive adjustments again, no matter how many times you say his last name, I'm going to mispronounce it. Harris Emiak, say it to me. Yeah, say you got me. it. You got Did it. Did I really? Harris it's like I have Harris met, I, I have mental blocks. Like I will, you notice I never, no matter, of course, Cliff, Big Cliff for basketball has changed the pronunciation of his name. I, I just call him Cliff because it's easier on me. I will embarrass myself because no matter how many times I try, I got to get it wrong. Anyway, Harris Imiak, did I get right that second? You got it wrong yeah. second, two in a row? No, okay. Better, better. Uh, it's right. It was good. Okay. Good enough. Pat, Joe really did a nice job though. I wanted to go back to a point uh, on Brian too about 
I haven't gone through the, the game by game Ohio State tapes of CJ Stroud, but I thought Rutgers actually put, I know they gave up 49 points and it was a blowout, but I thought they've actually <laughs> played CJ Stroud de- decently well. So um, they did. It was just, it was just the, uh, the, the running game where they, where they gave up 300 right. yards on the ground, I think. If right. I'm, so the Heisman yeah. front runner, like had his toughest game against Rutgers. That's pretty astounding, but yeah, Joe Harris Simiak done a, a terrific job Joe and Harris Simiak. There you go. Keep practicing it one more time. Joe Harris Simiak. This is it. And, and five minutes later, I will do it wrong anyway. All right, let's dive into true or false. Got a lot of good topics here as always. And you guys know the rules. True or false. The Johnny football short yardage package is dead. Fonseca, true or false? False, but in a good way. Okay. Pat? False. False. Yeah, I think it's, it's going it, to make a comeback here eventually. I'll go with false as well. True or false? Nunzio will be the OC next year. Too early to ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Brian? False. Ooh. Pat? True. Whoa! I'm going to go uh, false for now, but that position can change. All right, true or false, Sam Brown will finish with more than 800 yards rushing this year. He has 374 now with five games left. Brian, the workhorse, going to get it done? True or false? False. False as well. That seems like way too many straight 100-yard games against Big Ten teams. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go true. I think he's going to get like a 200-yarder for these games. Maryland's defense, final game of the year. Mark that one down. All right, uh, where are we? True or false? This team MV, This team's MVP is Christian Bradwell for the MVP game. Brian, true or false? MVP of the game? I'll say true. MVP of the season? Uh, no, no, it's not Christian Bradwell. False. Okay, Pat? False. False. This team's MVP is Aaron Lewis. True or false? <sighs> false. I think the, the way that Greg Schiano described the defense is like, it's a lot of well, a lot of guys doing their job. There's no one superstar, and I think that's probably true. I, I don't know if I can call out one specific guy. That's a good point. Okay, fair enough. Pat, you agree? That's great. That was so well said, Brian. So so true. The answer. I don't know who the MVP is anymore. Right? What Brian said yeah, was. I don't, I don't know who the MVP is anymore. I think that's the point here. Well, Christian is you can tell nice me at the end. Throw out as well. Christian, yeah. Well, who's gonna be the next one? So, but I'm gonna go false there too. I don't know who the, I don't know who it is. Kind of funny. True or false? The most winnable game remaining is against Minnesota. Let's take a true or false. True. Wow. Okay. Go with me, Pat. True. Wow. Two trues. I'm gonna go false. I still think it's Maryland. Uh, and finally, true or false? Rutgers could go bowling at five and seven again. Fonseca. True or false? I have not seen those APR numbers, but I'm going to say false. Pat? False. I, all right. So we're going to go right to that. I'm going to say true. And only because reading Brett McMurphy, who does the bowl breakdowns, I don't know what possessed me to click on a bowl breakdown column in October. But here I am. He says that he's projecting there will be 79 bowl-eligible teams to fill 84 spots. That means five, five and seven teams would need the bowl waiver to participate in the bowl. I'm just saying it's out there. The glory of the glory of waiting, the, the, the fun, the fun remains that there could be a five and seven outcome. Is it, is it likely? No, but that's, it's just uh, and for the record, this great part about this is that McMurphy didn't even pick records as one of the five and seven teams. He went with Iowa, Kansas, Miami, Michigan state, and Texas tech. So there you go. It's just out there. I'm just saying 
this cut con- five and seven headlines as James Gretch five and seven bowl headlines got got us through most of November last year and half of December. So let's keep that in mind. All right. Why do you think Minnesota's the most winnable game? I'm not uh, convinced they're great. All their wins are against the tomato cans. They haven't beat anybody good. All, all their like uh, efficiency stats look great, but I just, uh, and also I'm not sure if their quarterback's going to play. Tanner Morgan missed the game against Penn state with a concussion. I don't know if he'll be back. I'm, I don't trust their backup. And I think uh, Rutgers defense could be good enough to contain their run game. And you've seen the line. You've seen the line. I, I just, and a half. Oh, yeah, I was a Maryland. I don't think Rutgers can keep pace with Maryland. That's why I don't think that's a good matchup for them, but I think they do contain the run really well, which is why I think that playing Minnesota is a little bit of a better matchup. Okay. Well, that's a good, that's a good enough reason. All right. I'll go with that. And Michigan state doesn't appeal to you. They went over Wisconsin has taken them off the easiest potential game. I, I will say the fact that we have, we're talking about three games as very winnable is a good sign for this team. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to cover from true or false? Nunzio. Why do you Zio. guys say? Okay. Oh. That's a great question. Um, I just haven't seen enough yet. I think that, I guess that's, I guess it's just true to ask the question. I mean, he did a great job this game. Uh, it's an opportunity for Greg to make, for Shannon to make a big splashy hire. He did it once already. You know, sometimes the guy on your staff is the right, is, is the right answer right in front of you. And it's still hard to pull the trigger on him. So that's my thoughts. What, what was your thoughts, Brian? I just don't think a 24 point performance that you score 17 points on against a pretty bad Indiana defense is, you know, he, he didn't beat Michigan, right? Like I think, right. I think it's, yeah. uh, he, he did, he passed the first test. He still has five more. We'll see where we'll reevaluate in November. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's, let's I think this is going to be, Maybe a, a a better indication of how he does this year was this week. Um, Minnesota's going to have a week of film, the important film uh, component to it. And Minnesota's defense, I assume, is better than Indiana's because that's not a high bar to clear. So, yeah, good point. I also want to bring uh, up uh, Johnny Langan, the Johnny Langan package. I don't think it's dead. I do think it'll be used. Like it, it, he used it great on Saturday. You're you're in a first and goal from the four yard line, perfect short yard situation that you can use him as a battery ram. Uh, it's a lot better than using him on like a, a first and 10 out of the 20 where with a ton of space in front of him and everyone knows he's going to run. So I think it'll continue, but it'll be limited and used in uh, the right situations. I mean, so. it was telling though, and I loved it. I think fans had to love it. You know, third and two twice in that game. <laughs> he lined up under under center, handed to Sam Brown. He gets a yard and they do it again and get the first down. I mean, that to me, it does speak to a level of, all right, they know it's coming and they still can't stop it. And it's just the way good football teams, physical football teams do it. They're not in the shotgun. They're not trying to trick you. They work too. So I, I, I wonder if they saw that and Rucker saw that and said, okay, we don't need to use this as much. I don't know. What do you think, Pat? I was going to say it's not dead. It's zombie-like. It'll be coming back in a second form. Right. We're all assuming, and we are assuming, of course, that Sam Brown's going to play this week. It sounded like Greg Shannon was very positive about that in this press conference. And so that's that's the most important news uh, that that came out of this. Uh, and it came out of the Monday media session. All right. Good job on True or False, guys. Let's uh, let's dive in onto our Rutgers insider questions. As always, thank you for subscribing. We had a lively some lively discussions, lots of good questions this week. Oh, and our Twitter feed. We have a Twitter feed now at Rutgers Rant, where we're going to take a couple of questions, but we still, we're still going to give them to the paying subscribers because they're the ones forking over money and keeping us employed. Um, all right. So lots of quarterback questions that you can imagine to your, to, to the original point we made here early on, it's your point on Gavin Wimsett, Pat, does this offense not look like an RPO based offense? And if so, do you think Wimsett should be the quarterback our quarterback because of his mobility? I mean, it's a great point. We've great seen point. him break off a couple of big runs. You take, tell me this one, Fonseca, since Pat already gave his opinion on this. Why would you not 
just embrace that at this point for Rutgers. Playing Gavin Wimsat? Yeah, and the RPO, just making it a run oriented. You've got a good run. You've got a good running quarterback. You've got a good running back. I don't know. You got to throw the ball at some point, right? And as you've established that, we're not sure that Gavin can throw the ball consistently well without putting it in danger. Um, That's that's the countering argument. The, 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 The numbers don't. They'll support him, but I will say to counter my own point, at some point you got to let the kid come out and play and throw and learn, right? So, uh, but I think if Rutgers is still gunning for a bowl game, if they still have winnable games in front of them, as we've established they have, I think Noah Vedro is clearly the, the best option. And I think that's why they should keep rolling with him. Probably you, you watched the film a lot closer than we did. D- Vedro still does a lot of RPO stuff, right? Like he's still kind of doing some, some of that in the offense, right? It does. But the, the one, the offense they ran with Nunzio on Saturday had, you know, they went under center. Uh, Vedral checked a lot of runs, which I, I'm not sure Wimsat is knows enough about the playbook and how to run an offense to be able to do that. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little bit more multiple of an offense than, than, than just that, which I guess does open some more dimensions. And yeah. I, that's the thing, right? Vedral can do that and he could do a lot more versus Wimsat who, who is still, again, he's still freshman. He's still learning how to play quarterback at the college level. So it feels like, and this is, this is the point I, I feel like, <laughs> and I kind of got into a uh, Twitter spat with a fan about this. Like, I feel like Rutgers fans are, they want the Wimsett that they think he's going to become. They want that player out there on, on Saturdays. And I think we've seen he's not that player yet. Not saying he can't be that player, but I think there's a lot of wishful thinking. Like, well, look at, and I, believe me, no one's been more guilty of this than me. I mean, you see, you see his potential, you see the, the bullet he threw for that touchdown pass again against Wagner, but then you have to remember, okay, that's his only touchdown pass. It required a diving catch from, you know, there's so many things about, about whims that are just an unfinished product. You know, it's not saying he's not going to get there, but he's not there. I guess that, that's what I keep on coming back to. And there are a lot of questions just about what, you know, what does that mean? Here's one. I'll probably paraphrase this. This is a long question from old Mark, but what does that mean going forward for the program? If he doesn't play this year. And I guess that's the bigger, that's the bigger issue they've got to figure out. I mean, if you, can you go into a season it without knowing he's the guy other programs do it all the time i mean what do you think brian there will be opportunities right him and evan simon will be the only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster mm-hmm. uh, going into next summer so i i think that the space will be there it'll be whether and i think Rutgers has to get a quarterback out of the portal to fill out the depth now it's again we've we kind of talked about this before but it's a tough tightrope to walk because you can't get a kid that's good enough to start right away because he knows he's going to compete with with, with uh, Wimsat. My thing is, like, are we going to know if he's the guy or not if he plays the last four games of the season? Is that going to be a fair enough sample size to uh, to figure that out? Uh, and he certainly can develop in the offseason, right? There's nine months between the end of this year and the start of next year. Uh, he could certainly take jumps. I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of guesswork that the coaching staff is going to have to do and, and a lot of juggling to figure out. Uh, well, would we have a better idea if he played in the last four games and had significant snaps? Absolutely. Uh, I just don't know if the coaching staff weighs that enough versus winning games and knowing that federal gives them the best chance to do that. All right. Here's an offensive X's and O's question for you, Pat, since you are officially our X's and O's guys. I just decided right now Um, from Steve F in Northern Virginia, RC 1990. Thanks for the question, Steve. What is the next step for this offense? How does it improve? Now that Minnesota knows that we want to pound the ball with Brown and they, they will stuff the box with seven, eight, uh, defenders and run blitz and with tight man coverage. So how does this offense adjust and expand its game uh, plan for Minnesota? It's a great question. It's exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, because you even saw Indiana stuffing the box. Right. So, yeah. so that is, is how do you beat 
teams that stuff the box. You have to throw the ball downfield. You have to beat one-on-one coverage. We've seen Vedrill's ability to throw the ball downfield. It's, I don't want to say it's great. It's not horrible. It's somewhere in the middle of that. But I think Wimsett has great downfield ability. And, and that's why I think like there are situations that you're going to see him come into the game on maybe like a, a third and long or whatever. And I, I don't, that's why I don't think this whole quarterback thing is as, as plain and simple and set and done. Like, I think there are situations that from an X's and O's standpoint that you're going to need to throw the ball downfield. And if, and if, and if Vedral's not getting it done, then you're going to have to turn it over to the guy with the stronger arm and the guy with that ability. All right. Here's a good question from JP tomorrow, a fan of the pod, a fan friend, good friend. We can call JP a friend. Uh, if, is it possible when all said all is said and done that we will look back on this season and realize that the difference between eight and four and six and six was not firing the offensive coordinator sooner and halfway decent play calling with one quarterback? <laughs> I think the, the, this, you know, I guess we're making we're reaching a, jumping a bit that they're going to be six and six, and I, I don't think that's that's still not quite likely. I don't know. I mean, here's, would they have beaten Iowa with Nunzio and Vedral? I don't I would, know. I would answer the question the same way. Noel Vedral answered the question that you asked him about whether he th- ever thinks about what the season could have been if he was healthy. Yeah. I don't delve into that realm, Steve. You I don't delve into that realm. It's, it's all we do. It's all we do is delve into that realm. I live in that realm. Come on. Uh, well, how, how do we know that if Nunzio Campanelli was calling the game instead of Sean Gleason, that they would beat Iowa? Or that if Noel Vedral was behind center, that he, they would have won that game and he wouldn't have thrown two interceptions? We, we don't know. I mean, I, I, am, I, am a, I, I do know that they would have beaten Nebraska. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. I do I know, don't know that. that. I don't I, know. I am uh, as certainly as you can say something to be true without seeing it happen. I feel like that would have been. That's why that's why Gleason got fired because Greg Shannon saw the same thing. Well, and it, it brings us back to that first point too. Like, did Gleason get the sh- get the short hand of the stick because everyone was injured? Yes, of course he did. Yes, but that doesn't mean you drop back on a, a eight step drop with Evan Simon and your own backed up against your own end end zone and throw the ball to Nebraska. I think that's kind of what uh, that's what the difference there is. But the counterpoint, yeah, no, it's a great point. The counterpoint on this also is that we always assume that the games they lost they would have won if they had someone else. What are the games they won? How do we know that they would have beaten Boston College on that last drive by running it down their throat and they don't, you know, call a pass play that gets intercepted or that against Temple, they don't manage to score. You know, it it works both ways here. We can play hypotheticals all day. It doesn't, there's no way of knowing. When coaches say that they don't like to live in hypotheticals, they're saying that for a reason. Now now I know how they feel. It's not not great. Uh, All right. A couple more. A couple more. I love the offensive exit as old question that why doesn't Rutgers run any screens is one. I'm going to give these two parter to you. Pat for this. Why do they run screens? They only have like, what do we come up with? Fun second, like six, 15, 16 passes to running backs all year. Kind of, I mean, kind of remarkable. And any explanation why Krushank, the Krushank and end around were successful versus Boston College and then not again until Nunzio was calling the plays. 
the one the one that got 41 yards might have been the best play call of the season for this Rutgers team because I mean no I didn't I don't think anybody saw it certainly Indiana didn't see it until he was well into their secondary I didn't see it it was just a great call so all right those I'll put those both out to you for, for you Pat to handle any way you want okay all right screens as in wide receiver screens to Crookshank or screens in terms of running back screens? I think running backs, but I guess okay. you're right. I'll take a Crookshank screen if you want okay. to do that too. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Uh, they do definitely throw the quick, the quick screen to Crookshank. So let's throw that one out. Okay. Uh, screens to running backs. I think maybe that's a product of a pro style system, yeah. not positive, but I think that that could be it. Like that usually comes in like that, those kind of sets. But it's a great question, and for 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 Vedral, it seems like a no brainer that that's the type of play and uh, that that he would execute so well because he has the great vision and understanding of of timing and can see what the defense is doing. So I think that's a, a play that a, a nice running back slip screen is exactly what Vedral would uh, excel at. So you're right, maybe. Hey Nunzio, there you go. Hey Nuns, free free play call screens, humble right. screens. There are 14 through seven games. 14. And I will say a point worth making is that Aaron Young, who's probably their best pass catching running back, has been hurt. Uh, he played. Oh, he wasn't there. He played last week. He played in punk coverage. He didn't take a snap, offensive right. snap, though. That's um, weird, too. Right, what's up with that? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, <laughs> we don't have enough time in the day to ask that question. But yeah, it's a good point. Right. Know. But, but the, the, him not being around probably hurts, though I will say that 14 to a game seems like. Not probably not enough. All right, a couple more really quick. What could have been Shiano's belief when we went for that last 56 yard field goal attempt? I don't know. A brain fart. There's only I can't you gotta, you gotta trust Jude McAdamy. I mean, he wasn't he he missed it. He, he, the guy the, the cheerleader caught it. <laughs> Brian, I read you, I read your copy. Uh wasn't close. I don't know. Just seemed like you gave you gave why give them you got the best punter in the world. You can drop it on the one yard line. Uh, is he? He's, he's, he's had a, he's, he's had a touchback two weeks in a row. Is he? Oh, stop. Is he losing a step? Listen, People are asking. This podcast is Adam Corsack fan board here. We don't, we don't, we don't go any, we don't go against Corsack. Yeah, here. he Come followed on. up the touchback with a fifty-six yard punt. Sixty-six yard. Oh, Come 66, on, sixty-six, sixty-six. There you it's go. Just a thing of beauty. All right, a few more. Uh, this I like this one. Why does Rutgers keep announcing ridiculous identity? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm going here. What, this is from Rick in South Carolina. I did not plant this question. Why does Rutgers keep announcing ridiculous attendance totals? I'm assuming actual attendance is up. So why not just announce that? No one actually thinks they're selling out and it just seems like a bad PR look. The answer I think is for recruiting, but to Rick's point, yeah, I think that's what happened. Instead of us noting that attendance is on the upswing and instead of us looking at a good crowd against Nebraska and saying, hey, good crowd against Nebraska, we looked at it and said, well, there's no way this game sold out. And I guess that's what happens. And people look at us and say, well, why do you have to focus on that? Well, I, the flip side of that is, why do you have to say it's a salad if it's not really sold out? I, I guess that's I guess that's a great question. Fun second. You, and you you crunched the numbers on this with the uh, the help of the uh, the Oprah. Well, why? Because everyone else does it, Steve. So why can't we? Everyone else. Do, who does it? Everyone else does it. Uh, yes, I'm sure most college football programs use announced attendance rather than actual attendance. And a yes. lot of them cook the numbers. Nebraska's had like the record sellout streak. They've had guys buy out 2000 tickets. I'm sure he doesn't have 2000 friends to give the tickets to right. uh, just to keep I the agree. streak alive. Yeah, it is right. Okay. Now, does that make it right? No. And I do think that if you're going to, it's your point, if you're going to do that, you're leaving yourself up to getting, you know, get some scrutiny. So if you got, if you're going to flaunt a fake sellout, you got to be ready for when the fake sellout gets called out. I thought, I thought Iowa was a great crowd. I thought Iowa was a legit great crowd in the stands, start of the game. Nebraska, not so much. 
And look, even the homecoming crowd, they, I mean, it was announced tens of like 44,000 or 42,000. Nice crowd for a four and three team on a, on a noon on a, on a busy October day, you know? I just think that perhaps in the few, and I get it, it's for recruiting. They can tell recruits, look, we sold out two games, the stadium's packed, but I don't know how much that really matters in the, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, recruits see, recruits, recruits can see what we see as well. So great, great question, Rick. I swear I didn't plant it. All right, uh, final one. And a good segue to our predictions. Am I an idiot? This is from Twitter. I forget who's asked it, but it's a good question from Twitter. It always begins with, am I an idiot? Uh, am I an idiot or a fool to think that running the ball 30 plus times and defense gives us a shot against Minnesota? Hell no. I think that's exactly, I think it's a good shot against Minnesota. So yeah, yeah, I don't think you're an idiot. You guys agree? Absolutely agree. And that's what Minnesota wants to do to Rutgers. <laughs> Right. So hopefully uh, that means a very quick two and a half hour game. Just run, 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 run. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. If, listen, if Sam Brown could get 89 yards after contact every week, I think Rutgers could be anybody. All right. Prediction time. Brian, do you want to pat yourself on the back here uh, for, for completely nailing, not just getting it right, but getting exactly right. 24, 17 Rutgers win against Indiana. Come on, go ahead. Once a year, it just happens. You just, you know, when you take as many shots as I do every once in a while, you're going to hit a bullseye. And I did. Yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, I was pretty humble about it. All I did was screenshot it and post it on Twitter so everyone could see it. Uh, <laughs> all I did. I'm not one to pat myself on the back, but I did do a victory lap on social media for the world to see. That's good. I love that. You deserve, you deserve that praise when you nail a bullseye like that. Good for you, Brian. That's right. That's right. Now, I, I guarantee you it will not happen again this week. All right. Minnesota minus 14 and a half. I just didn't, I don't believe that. Is that, is that the line you have? I Look. haven't checked. It opened at 10. Is it 14 and a half? It Look. didn't. I mean, I've looked everywhere. I didn't see anything close to 10. I saw, I, I mean. Circus Sports had it at 10. Let me check. Let me check. Do, Vegas we do a quick seven. check here because that seems like a really high number for a four and three big 10 team playing a four and three big 10 team, right? Pat? Yeah. You, it I mean, seems, seems big. Seems big. Seems big. Especially yeah. after they got waxed at Penn State. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Da, da, da. Do the do the French as a da, uh, da, da, uh, okay. 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 Yeah, I can confirm uh, on Vegas Insider. 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Wow. All right. Incredible. Well, you're leading. You go first. 14 and a half. What are you gonna do with that? This feels like free money, which really really scares me. It does scare you. Yeah. It, it seems too obvious. There's I, I think I think Rutgers is a value play with the money line, if you ask me. I was what's gonna the, what's the money line? Let me let me find that for you. Not yeah, that we can bet it here in New Jersey. It is uh plus four eighty. Oh, it's four eighty. Holy, yes, that's what it was. I I just happened to know this coincidentally, not because I might have been gambling on it, but that's what it was when the, when the Astros went up. We're down three nothing last night. It was plus four eighty. Anyway, go on. Sorry to interrupt. It's pretty good value if you ask me. I thought so uh, too. Now I'm now I'm going to have to reconsider what I was going to because uh, Vegas must know something that we don't. What would Vegas know? We follow the team closely. Anyway, make your pick. Who do you like? I will go. Minnesota, 23. Rutgers, 14. Okay. A cover, but a, a, a two-score Minnesota win. All right. As the leader, once again, you set the pace. Pat, who do you got? I don't want to be the I don't want to be the Rutgers guy on this podcast. <laughs> Why would you want? Who would but want to be the Rutgers guy on a Rutgers, Rutgers podcast? On this podcast? God forbid, right? Oh my goodness! Um, I I was shocked to feel the line at fourteen and a half. I, I really am. I really am because I thought Rutgers has a Rutgers has a legitimate shot in this game, especially if they can stop the run. Uh, I think it's a good matchup for them. Can they do enough offensively to win? That's the question. And maybe 
if we get Gavin Wimsett in the game, that's oh the difference. That'll be the difference. Here we go. Still, I cannot take Rutgers in this one, but I will go in the similar vein uh, as Brian with the cover. I think Rutgers definitely covers 14 and a half. Let's keep it 24-20. Wow. Okay. Close game. Well, screw this. I'm going to pick Rutgers to win the game. How's that sound? Love it. Rutgers guy, Um, Steve Politti. Here, yeah, who knew? I'd be the guy. And I'm not, and I tell you, I'm not talking myself into this one. I thought that they'd have a chance to win. I was, I thought it'd be a seven. I thought Minnesota minus seven was the line I was expecting. <laughs> 14 and a half just seems crazy. I mean, look, this is, this is the game, I think, in a lot of ways. He, if anybody knows what these two coaching staffs, we haven't talked about that at all. I mean, certainly <laughs> Rutgers knows what Minnesota is going to do, vice versa. PJ Fleck, that entire Joe Rossi, that entire coaching staff is essentially Rutgers North. North Northwest, what you want to call it. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna think. I think Rutgers is finally gonna have some progress in the passing game with Noah Vedral. I think he's gonna play, if not the entire game, all about four or five snaps again. This is gonna be his show, and it's gonna be a, a 27-21 Rutgers victory. There you go. This is the upset. I said they'd up. They they would upset one team. This is the one I think is gonna be, and um, that's my pick. How you like that? All right. Other thoughts. What else we got? Oh my gosh, women's soccer at a tailspin. Two straight L's to Michigan schools. I, I Google this every time before the podcast. Don't see this. Um, what happened? What's going on? Tell, tell me, Fonseca, what's happening? The interesting thing about this team is that for years, we would say this team, this women's program has such great defense. If only they could find some consistent scoring. Yeah. Now they're scoring goals in bunches, but they just can't stop. They can't get a stop. They can't uh, prevent opposing teams from scoring. So, yeah, I mean, look, they, they had a chance, a very, 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 very slim chance of defending their title entering the weekend. They had to win both games. Uh, They lost both. But listen, this is the high bar that this program has set that if they don't win the Big Ten, it's disappointing. But maybe this is the year they go into the Big Ten tournament and finally pull out uh, a championship there. So um, on the other end, the other side of your sack field, uh, men's soccer, MD Myers, an uh, underappreciated story, leads the nation in goals. Rutgers is the top goal scorer in the country. MD Myers, high point transfer, Philadelphia Union Academy product. And how many is that? 13. 13 13 goals. In uh, how many games? In like, 13, 13 goals in 15 games. Wow. Rutgers is going to make the Big Ten tournament. And when you add a guy who leads the nation in scoring, I guess there's always a chance uh, to compete. So that starts uh, a week from Friday. Their season finale will be on this Friday against UCLA in a rematch of the 1990 national championship game when Alexi Lalas was in, a game that was scheduled before USC, UCLA joined the Big Ten. So it's a big coincidence, but um, that should be, uh, we won't be there. We'll be in Minneapolis uh, that Friday, but should be a good, uh, good, good game at your field, which now has a, a student section, a student supporting section, making it feel like a, you know, soccer environment. So yeah, good, good things happening on uh, for that program. So I'm excited to see what they can do in the Big Ten tournament. Nice. nice. All right. Anything else we got going on? Stringer Day. We've announced. I see that we announced Vivian Stringer's retire a court dedication day, December fourth. Oh, 7:30 kickoff for the Michigan game. What else? Any other final thoughts? Anything Rutgers else? Wrestling Media Day, November 4th. That'll oh. get some storylines there. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And the uh, uh, the charity basketball game is this Sunday for Eric LeBrand. Oh, yes. Against uh, Fairfield and the fighting Jay Youngs. Jay Young. That'll be uh, the first time we can see uh, the new look Scarlet Knights in action. You going to go to that? No, you won't be, you'll be on the road. You can't go I, w- I will. I'm at a 6 a.m. flight out of Minneapolis. I'm going to land in uh, Newark Airport. I'm going to drive my way down to the rack. Wow. Good grief, that's dedication right there. Um, Just doing my job, Steve. You know, this is great. I missed, I forgot to ask this, but this is a great, let me go back to this before we leave. 
because I love it. Uh, let me see if I can find it. It's such a great question. I'd like to hear about, I'm sorry, this is, I would love to know the life of a Rutgers football beat writer. Set hours, work from home, travel. I have no clue how the business works. Thanks. I, I, I made, I highlighted this question to ask during, during Q&A and this is it. We've got it, how it works right here, right? Grinding. That's what we do. We chop. That's what we do as the Rutgers football beat writers. You don't, you don't have to set hours, do you? You guys don't have set hours, right? No. Set hours. <laughs> set, set breaking hours. all the time. Set hours is how, yeah, from 24-7. Is that your set hours this time of year? It's close. It is close, yes. Yes. Um, why, does this guy want to apply for my job or something? Or what's the... I, I think that's what it is. Yeah, clearly. So send in your resume, whoever, whoever you are, to to do uh, work from home, travel. Yeah. All, all, all that stuff, right? Get, get braided in your emails about every story you write. <laughs> we haven't had any food reviews on the podcast lately, but that was a fan favorite for a while. Free food in the press box, Minnesota. I've not been to, have you been to Minneapolis? I, I have not. I was at the old stadium. I, I think I was at the old stadium. I don't think I've been at the new stadium though. I have. Um, I, I hear they stopped giving out free ice cream in the press box, which is very, very distressing to me. Frankly. Ice cream in Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Dilly bars. Oh, nice. All right. Good road trip. All right. That's on that note. We will sign off. Uh, we will be back to recap the Minnesota game and everything else going on in Rutgers sports uh, from Devco, from everybody uh, here at NGA Advanced Media. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.